Blog Talk Radio. Gaining for the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter. At Go For Again. While you're there on Twitter, give me a follow at Go For Again. Also, the chat room is open, so hit me up on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. We'll chat it up as I talk it up, and we'll have a good old time. Expected today to be joined by entertainment reporter Rebecca Briscoe. She is down in New Orleans. Rebecca knows a lot about the entertainment world, but she also knows a lot about the game of football, so we're going to get her take on on the big game, get her take on Media Day, Super Bowl Media Day, and get her take on all the happenings there in New Orleans. She's probably having a good old time down there. Probably having a funky old good old time there in New Orleans, running around, running the streets, having a great old time in New Orleans. And from what I hear, everything, that you know, the city looks nice and everything is looking good in New Orleans and people are having a good old time. It is New Orleans. How could you not have a good old time down there? But we're going to talk to Rebecca about some of the happenings in New Orleans. And it's the Super Bowl week. I mean, it's big. It's big time. We've been talking everything in terms of the Super Bowl, the build up for this Super Bowl. And, you know, before we get to the big game, we've got to talk about all the other stuff, all the other happenings, all the other happenings in New Orleans. And it starts to me with Ray Lewis. I mean, we had the report earlier in the week, Tuesday, the Sports Illustrated report. Ray Lewis apparently, allegedly, reached out to Mitch Ross, who co-owns SWATS, a company that provided, allegedly, Ray Lewis with some deer antler spray. I didn't know that deer antler spray had the effect that it has. I mean, uh, apparently it, it can... He'll tricep muscles in, 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 in three months instead of six months. Apparently, deer antler spray does some crazy, amazing things. I didn't know it did it. I mean, I got deer roaming around here where I live. Maybe. Just maybe. What I need to do is go after some deers and develop some kind of spray. Spray it on my elbow, my arm, my shoulder, my neck. Uh, my neck was killing me this week. Maybe I'll spray it on my neck and, and I'll feel good after that. I mean, this is just some crazy stuff. Deer antler spray? Deer antler spray. But anyway, anyway, apparently, according to Mitch Ross, Ray Lewis reached out to him after the Cowboy game, after the injury Ray Lewis suffered in that game, and after, apparently, um, Mitch Ross recorded phone conversations to Ray Lewis, but, you know, he reached out to Ray, and uh, excuse me, Ray Lewis reached out to him, and Ray Lewis, you know, give me all you got. 
Apparently, it was Mitch Ross told Sports Illustrated, told Ray Lewis, said, give me all you got. I need it. Give me all you got. And I guess, apparently, according to Mitch Ross, he gave Ray Lewis all he had, including hologram energy stickers, deer antler spray, deer antlers pills, and so on and so forth. I mean, you, you, you couldn't make some of these things up. You could not make some of these things up. I mean, maybe... No weapon formed against Ray Lewis and the Ravens shall not prosper, but there are a lot of things coming out against Ray. And that is one of them. That is one of them. Obviously, this is something we'll never know because here's the reality of the situation. The NFL doesn't test for this. It doesn't test for IGS-1. And that is which comes, that comes from, apparently that comes from deer antler spray, deer antler pills. And all the good stuff. That's what comes from it. But the thing about it is, you can't, they don't test for it in the NFL. So in a lot of ways, if Ray Lewis did do that, if Ray Lewis did inject any type of illegal stuff in his body from the deer antler spray, from the deer pills, from wherever, whatever Mitch Ross supplied him, we couldn't find out anyway. Because the reality is, the NFL does not test for that particular Thing. It does not protect, uh, does not test for IGF-1, which is a banned substance. It doesn't test for it. So the reality is we'll never know. Unless Ray Lewis comes out tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, unless he comes out and tells us, you know what, in order for me to get back on the field, I used deer antler spray. I used all these other things, and that's what I needed to do to get back on the field. That's why he always tells us that, and I don't expect he would. But he, you know, like he has turned his life around. There is a transformation. We we know how much he loves God. At least that's what he tells us. Unless Ray Lewis tells us, we will never know. We will have no idea whether or not Ray Lewis actually did take. The, the deer antler pills and the spray and what have you. Weird story. Can't make this up. Wish I could. You can't make some of these things up. And apparently, he had an impromptu press conference today. This Mitch Ross. An impromptu press conference. Crazy, 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 crazy. And he And he said, of all things, and I guess to go with the theme of Ray Lewis and everything, God sent him. Mitch Ross said God sent him to the Ravens to help them with the aid of his holograms. And this is a sticker that apparently you can draw energy from. Amazing. This is some amazing stuff. Apparently, Mitch Ross says Brett Favre contacted him in 2009. James Ahedibo, who was a client for his, also uh, was a part of you or, or, or his might be to have something involved, is using it. I guess he was not name dropping a lot of guys that are using his equipment, his stuff, his products. And he also said he was catfished by the uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, some of the words he said was misconstrued. And here's the thing. <clears throat> here's the thing. Bottom line is this: if you're involved with NFL players and and, and with a, a product that could draw a, a, neg, a, a positive test with a product that is illegal. I mean, the bottom line is this. 
you kind of messed up your business because now you're telling everybody all your business, and now you're telling on everybody who has used your business. So you're basically the wise man always says, loose lips sink ships, and he is shipping sinking his ship and messing with his money by talking too much. Should have kept that to yourself. Should have kept that to yourself. Should have kept that to yourself, you dummy. Keep that stuff to yourself. Come on. Come on. Come on, Mitch. And again, the bottom line is this. Whether it's true or not, we'll never know. We shall never, ever know. Ray Lewis did say, this is Ray Lewis, he said, this ain't nothing but the trick of the devil. This ain't nothing but the trick of the devil. And, you know, if if, if we, some believe it, some don't, you know, we, we I, I consider myself a fairly religious man. And, you know, the devil, if you believe in the devil, I, I think there is a devil. He does lie, cheat, steal, and, and try to bring you down. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. So, you know, if, we, if you believe in that type of thing, this is a possibility. If it's not true, if it's not true, this is a possibility. If it is true, then, you know, Ray Lewis is, you know, we, we got to call him a fraud. We got to call him, call him what it is. I mean, the thing about it is this. And I think, you know, I don't want to segue into Ray Lewis and the religion and all that. The thing about it is this. You know, Tim Tebow, there was a level of backlash towards him when he started talking about God. And I think it's the same thing with Ray Lewis, but I think it's a little different with Ray Lewis. Here's the difference. Tim Tebow, to this point, has not or was never involved with, with any type of double murder whatsoever. And Ray Lewis, he, he pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. But uh, the thing about it is there are a lot of people who believe that Ray Lewis knows what happened. Ray Lewis was culpable in, in, in what happened. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. You know, whatever the possibilities are, I don't know. I wasn't there. Did Ray Lewis Did Ray Lewis have something to do with it? Who knows? Who knows what happened many years ago? But Ray Lewis has stated it over and over. This is something he feels guilty about. And it's obvious. <clears throat> I mean, it's you will feel guilty about it, too. I think anybody will feel guilty about it. But here's the difference. <clears throat> Tim Tebow has never been involved in that particular thing. Tim Tebow, Ray Lewis is a guy, six kids, four different women. Tim Tebow, so far as far as we know, he's a virgin. So he's never been involved in that type of thing either. You know, whether it's fair or unfair, you know, Ray Lewis has had, in some respect, you can argue, he's done some things that probably in his new state what he would take back. I believe Ray Lewis is truly a transformed man. I think Ray Lewis is a different man than he was many years ago. I think he's a different guy. I really do. I believe him. If he says he's transformed, he's a different man, I believe him. I believe Ray. Ray Lewis says he's a different guy. I believe him. I believe him. Now, now I can understand why people wouldn't believe him. I can understand that. But the thing is, here's the thing. When that whole situation happened with Ray Lewis, Many years ago in Atlanta, he was what, 24 years old. Now, he's 37 years old. I would hope he's a different man at 37 than he was at 24. I would hope all of us as people would be different people 
from 24 to 37. <clears throat> I would hope we would be a different, a, a different person. And I believe Ray Lewis is a different person. I believe Ray Lewis is a different person. I believe he's a changed man. People can change, you know. People can change. No matter what happened. No matter what happened, people can change. People do change. And Ray Lewis, in my mind, has changed. He has changed. As far as I'm concerned, he's changed. Now, only Ray Lewis knows if he really changed. Only Ray Lewis's family knows if he's really changed. His teammates, they know if he's really changed. They swear by the man. So that's all. In terms of that, you know, this whole thing with, with, with God, and I talked about this with Roland Williams last week, former NFL tight end. I believe God does decide who wins games. I, I, I really do think that God, God's, as far as I'm concerned, God's in control of everything. So I do believe that God decides who wins, who loses. God's in control of everything. So why wouldn't he be in control of who wins and who loses? I think God is in control of that. I really do. I think God believes, I, I think God decides who wins games, who loses games. This is my opinion. Now, the way this Ravens run has been going, the way this Ravens run has been going, I can't, I'm having a hard time coming up with a pick. I, I, I'm so torn right now in terms of who will win this game. I, I can't, and I'm having a hard time going up and going against Ray Lewis. A man is who's, who's yelling, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. A man who is talking about how God has, has done this and done that. I don't like to go against destiny. I, I, I got a hard time going up against destiny. I'm afraid to go up against destiny. I'm afraid when a guy starts saying God this and, and God that and, and God is the reason that we're here and God is going to lead us to victory. I, that scares me. I don't know about you. But that scares me when a guy, uh, you know, says that. And, and he, only, he, he not only said it, but judging by the past few weeks with the Baltimore Ravens, in a lot of ways, it's been backed up. Have we seen what happened against the Denver Broncos? And, let me, and, and that is the game I point to as the game that says to me, maybe Ray is on to something. Maybe the Ravens are Destiny's Child. Maybe they are Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. Maybe they are Destiny's Child. Maybe. Just maybe. And I said this last week. I'm going to repeat it this week. You gave up two special teams touchdowns. A punt return and a kickoff return. You gave up a punt return and a kickoff return in one game, and you still find a way to win. Oh, by the way, you give up a 70-yard, you, you score late in the game on a 70-yard bomb. You somehow, someway, your receiver, Jacoby Jones, gets behind the safety in that particular situation. I don't know how that's possible. But he somehow, someway, gets behind the safety. Must have been an act of God. Must have been a miracle of some, I don't know how he did it. But he got behind the safety. And Raheem Moore, if you saw the picture, it just barely, barely, he barely missed the ball. Barely 
missed the ball. Barely. Barely missed the ball. So when I, when I see that and I see this Ravens team and how they won that particular game, I'm inclined to think on some level that maybe the Ravens are quite possibly Destiny's child. Maybe the Ravens are Destiny's child. Maybe. Maybe. But I, I just from I just look at this game and I say from a talent standpoint, I think the Niners are better. Offensively, defensively, I think the Niners are a better football team. All around team, I think the Niners are a better team. <clears throat> I think they're better. I think they are the better football team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Meaning the San Francisco 49ers. They are the better team. They are the better football team. Talent-wise, offensively, they're better. Defensively, they're better. They're just a better team as far as I'm concerned. But guess what? I thought Denver was a better team. I, I, I thought the Patriots were a better team than this Raven team. I thought all those teams that I mentioned, the Ravens, I mean the, the Patriots and the Broncos, were better football teams. I really did. I didn't expect the Ravens to get past. I didn't expect them to get past the Broncos. But when they did, I said to myself, you know what? I can't go against this train no more. I believe. I believe. I'm a believer. I can't go against this train no more. And I was saying, you know what? They're going to go into New England, Foxborough, and they're going to win that football game. And you know what? They're going to go to the Super Bowl. And as far as I'm concerned at that point, no weapon forward against the Ravens would prosper. It has not prospered to this point. To this point, it has not prospered. And this is just this Ray Lewis ride. This is the Ray Lewis ride. The Ray Lewis ride, and they're just riding that wave. The last hurrah for Ray Lewis. They're riding that wave. And this is these two teams, the Ravens and the 49ers, both of these teams were in situations where coaches had to make tough decisions. Coaches had to make tough decisions. The Ravens, they you know what? It wasn't working with Cam Cameron. We got to make a decision here, John Harbaugh felt. And guess what? He chose to fire Cam Cameron and hire Jim Caldwell, a guy who's never called plays before. Never was an offensive coordinator. So they bring in Jim Caldwell. Bring him in. Calls plays for the Baltimore Ravens. And guess what? This team, they had some struggles. They didn't take off right away. They had some struggles. They definitely had some struggles. But, but, in these playoffs, they've taken off. They really have taken off. And Joe Flacco, talked about in the offseason, I'm elite, I'm big time. Talk to, you mean when you talk to me, talk to me in the same vein as you talk about Brady, Manning, and the rest of them. And the rest of them, when you talk about them, talk about me. 
And he's proven so far in these playoffs, in these playoffs, that guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I'm big time. I'm elite. I can ball. And he's been balling. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Andrew Luck, what do you want? You're supposed to be the next big thing. It's not your time. It's Joe Flacco's time. Beat the Colts. Peyton Manning, you've been big time. Your team is on an 11-game win streak. Your team has been playing well. You have been playing well, Peyton Manning. 37 big touchdowns. You've been big time. Guess what? It's my time. I'm elite. Time to get past you. Get out of my way. Okay. You get by Manning. It's time for Tom Brady, the great Tom Brady in New England. Guess what? You outplayed Tom Brady for the second year in a row in the AFC title game. You win that particular game. You move on. You move on. And now you're in a spot where, quite frankly, both of these teams should have been in this spot a year ago. The 49ers should have beat the Giants. Kyle Williams' fumbles was the difference. The 49ers and Alex Smith should have beat the Giants and should have made it to the Super Bowl a year ago. The Ravens, Lee Evans, had the ball in his hands. Had the ball in his hands. He should have secured that, should have scored that touchdown. Sterling Moore gave him some credit. He did get his hands in there a little bit. But Lee Evans still should have made that catch. But ultimately, Patriots survived and move on. But then, even in that game, even before the Patriots survived and moved on, Billy Cundiff missed a 32-yard field goal, a chip shot. That's a chip shot. He misses it. So, Patriots go on. So, the Patriots would ultimately lose in the Super Bowl to the Giants. But last year, we should have had a hard ball. We should have had a horrible last year. We should have had a horrible a year ago. That's what we should have had a year ago. And it's about time we had it this year. I guess maybe it was inevitable. I guess it was inevitable. I guess it was inevitable. I guess. I guess. But you look at these teams, and how, I mean, before I get to that, how about this parent, the parents here? Jack and Jackie Harbaugh. Well, what do you do here? If, what happens? What do you do? What happens? 49ers win. Let's say the 49ers win. What do you do? Does, does the dad go with the winner and the mom goes with the losers? Because mothers uh, are better at consoling their baby boy. Mothers are a little better at consoling their baby boy. So maybe Jackie can 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 go over, talk to whoever the loser is, whether it's Jim or John, talk to him, console him, rub their back, make them feel better. Maybe. Maybe. But this is like a tough situation. And granted, you know, it's a good thing when both of your kids are successful coaches in the NFL because here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. 
Here's the thing about it. There's only 32 jobs, 32 coaching jobs, 32 coaching jobs in the NFL, head coaching jobs. So guess what? If your kid is one of those 32, if your kid is one of those 32, that's not a bad thing. That's that's not a bad thing if your kid is one of those 32. But looking at the situation with these Harbaugh's, two of their kids are one of the thir- two of their kids are, are part of that 32. Two of them, two of their kids are part of that 32. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, obviously, they would rather have had it where you know. Jim was the 49ers were coaching up against Belichick and the, the Patriots. I think that would be better for them because then they don't have to choose a side. They know which side they're. They, 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 they already know which side they're going on. Here you gotta, you can't really choose a side here. You gotta kind of massage it. You kind of gotta kind of figure out this whole situation. Where do you go? Who do you who do you cheer for? How do you cheer? What happens? You just sit there and watch. I don't think you can cheer. I don't think you can cheer. I think the only thing you can do is just sit there and, and and watch and just enjoy the game, I guess. I mean, that, that to me would be the only logical thing you could do as a parent in that situation. That's the only logical thing you can do. I don't know any other way to, to – to, I don't know what other thing you could do. I don't I don't know what you could do. I don't know what you could do here. It's got to be a difficult situation. It's got to be. It's got to be. But I look at, you know, this this game, and on paper, I love the 49ers. I, I love the 49ers. And, you know, as much as I love the 49ers, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I mean, this is a team, the Ravens. You know, the 49ers can have some success running the ball, this Ravens team is 20th against the rush. This defense, you know, has played well in the playoffs, but this defense, there's plays to be made against this team. On that, There's plays to be made against that Ravens defense. This is not the 2000 Ravens defense. This is not that defense. Not even This is not that defense. It's just not. It's a solid defense. It's a good defense. But this is not the 2000 Ravens defense. It's not that defense. It's not that defense. But you can argue at this point, well, it's not that Ravens offense that was in 2000. Yes, this is a much better offense than what we've seen in 2000. A much better offense. I mean, Joe Flacco is probably a much better quarterback than Trent Dilfer. Ray Rice, I wouldn't say a much better running back than Jamal Lewis, but he is a a better running back than Jamal Lewis. I can't say much better. I can't say much better. But I think he is a better running back than Jamal Lewis. But again, I can't say much better. Jamal Lewis is a 2,000-yard rusher in this league. Was a 2,000-yard rusher in this league. So I can't, and I can't, and I won't discredit Jamal Lewis. But Ray Rice is probably the better back. It's probably the better back. But as a whole, as a whole, I look at this game, and on paper, 
I love the 49ers. I love the way they played. Colin Kaepernick, we talk about it every week. I talked about it last week. Is there a stage too big for this guy? Well, the divisional round wasn't wasn't too big for him, and he started out that he started that game out with a pick. But he was at home. Then he goes to Atlanta. He's down 17 nothing against the big bad Falcons. Falcons playing big time football at the time. Their, their, their defense is playing. Their defense was playing well early in that game. Their offense was moving the ball to Falcons. And Colin Kaepernick found a way through adversity to get his team the victory. Through he he went through the tough times with his team and he got the victory. Got the victory. And you remember the last time these two teams played? They played last year. In that game, the Ravens did win 16-6. And and I'm just looking at the stats of this game. It was a defensive struggle, obviously. 16-6, a defensive battle. Tied, tied 6-6, actually, in the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter. Ravens would get a touchdown by Dennis Pitta to go, thir- go up 13-6, and ultimately Billy Cundiff would hit a field goal, and the Ravens would win 16-6. A defensive struggle. But I look at the numbers, Ray Rice wasn't very effective, 21 carries, 59 yards, so they held him in check. On the other side, Frank Gore wasn't very effective as well, 14 carries, 39 yards. So he wasn't as effective as he was as he's been throughout his career. And Ray Rice, same thing. You look at it, <clears throat> the quarterbacks, and <clears throat> excuse me, the quarterbacks, obviously, the quarterback situation is much different for San Francisco. The offense, in a lot of ways, it's much different in San Francisco. It's the dynamic offense in San Francisco now with Colin Kaepernick as the quarterback. Michael Crabtree is, is flourishing under Colin Kaepernick. This offense just looks so much more explosive. And I was one of the guys at the time who said, you know what, I'm sticking with Alex Smith. I would stick with Alex Smith. I was against the move. I was against him, but obviously, I was wrong. Obviously, I was wrong. Obviously, I was wrong. It was the right move. It was the right decision. But I want to just compare Joe Flacco's numbers from 2011 to Joe Flacco in 2012. And we're looking at it, and we're saying Flacco has taken the next step. Flacco has been big time. That's fine. Obviously, he's been big time in these playoffs. But we're, 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 he's okay in terms of his quarterback rating. He is up seven points, 80.9 in 2011, 87.7 now in 2012. And we're just talking in terms of Joe Flacco being an elite quarterback. I'm not prepared to put him there, but he's darn near. He's pretty close. You win a Super Bowl, and you're in. You're elite. I think you have to start at least giving him credit for being – I mean, you gotta. I think you, you almost have to call him elite. But I look at him and his numbers, I mean, 3,600 yards, 3,800 yards this year, 3,610 in 2011, 3,817 in 2012 for Flacco. So up in addition, up about 200 yards. Completion, uh, average per completion is up from 2011. Touchdowns are up by two. Interceptions are down by two. Fumbles are down by three. And his quarterback rating is up by seven. So the numbers are better, but are they astronomically better? No. Or are they actually? You look at his numbers from 2010. You know, 25 touchdowns, 
only 10 picks, 93.6 quarterback rating. He was much better in 2010 than he was even in 2012. But Joe Flacco, he's a guy that uh, the reputation is that this Ravens defense has been carrying him over the course of the season. Well, over the course of the years, not more, not this season. I, I think Flacco kind of stepped up a little bit this season for the Ravens because the Ravens' defense wasn't the Ravens' defense of old. And they played very well, this Ravens' defense, in these playoffs. Played very well, big time in these playoffs. Big time. Especially against the Patriots, where they shut out Tom Brady in that second half. Shut him out. Shut him out in that second half. But let me go back now. Let me go back to last year's game. And I talked about the difference. And the difference is the quarterback situation. Alex Smith in that game wasn't very good. Was not very good. And at that point, at that time, we didn't look at that Niners offense the way we look at it now. Now we look at that offense as, as big time. And it was kind of a weakness for this team. I mean, and I, and I think the weakness that everybody was pointing to was the player, the quarterback, and Alex Smith. That is what everybody was pointing to. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. And now we're saying, you know what? That's a that's a strength for the 49ers. Colin Kaepernick is a beast. He's a monster. He's he, he's an animal. He's been balling in these playoffs. Over 400 total yards against the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely ridiculous in that game. And against the the Falcons, didn't do his thing running the ball, but sure did his thing throwing the ball. As he was the big, he led that team back, brought him back, brought him back. The kid is confident. The kid has so much confidence in his ability. He has a swagger about him. He's Kaepernicking, kissing his biceps after every touchdown. He's Kaepernicking. He's Kaepernicking. He was big time against the Falcons. 16 for 21, 233 yards, a touchdown. But he brought that team back. And that was a team that was struggling early against the Falcons. Falcons jumped down on them. Jumped down on them. And you have... Now, in that game, Vernon Davis appeared. He reappeared for the Niners' offense. And we, one of the things that we talked about with Kaepernick is he wasn't even Vernon Davis' numbers went down when Kaepernick became the quarterback. And Crabtree, Michael Crabtree's numbers went up when Colin Kaepernick became the quarterback. So it, it, things are different with Kaepernick. But all in all, this offense is much more explosive. And we look at the game, the difference between – the game last year when the Ravens and the 49ers played A, the game was played in Baltimore this time, neutral field, neutral site in New Orleans, and B, well, Ray Lewis is playing. Ray Lewis did not play in that particular game. But also, more importantly, I think Colin Kaepernick is playing. Alex Smith is not. So that, for me, changes some things. That, for me, changes some things. And that says to me that, you know what, that could be the difference. Colin Kaepernick as your quarterback, that could be the difference in this game. And also I think a thing that's kind of being underplayed is the kickers. You know, we we, we tend not to talk about the, the third part of the game, which is special teams, and that third part of the game actually cost, almost cost the Ravens against the Broncos and almost cost, the 49ers against the Falcons, because that was a big miss by David Akers. A big miss. And then 
fortunately enough for the for the Forty uh, ers Matty Ice turned the football over, and the Forty ers were able to get the ball back, and ultimately were able to score. Even after the Crabtree fumble, they were able to ultimately get the ball back and score. They found a way to fight through adversity. But the third part of the game almost sent the Ravens home against the Broncos and almost sent the 49ers home against the Falcons. And that third part of the game is special teams. The third part of the game is special teams. And we all know the 49ers in terms of David Akers, it's been a struggle for David Akers throughout the course of this season. It's been a big-time struggle for David Akers, so much so that the 49ers brought in Billy Cundiff. Brought him in. Ultimately, they would cut him, but they brought him in. Brought him in. But David Akers has struggled this season. He has struggled mightily, mightily for the 49ers this season. Struggled big time for the 49ers this season. Really did. I mean, you look at him in 2011, 44 for 52. That's good. That's good. And and one thing you'll notice, one thing you notice, 52 field goals for Akers in 2011, 42 in 2012. Is that the Kaepernick effect? Is that the Colin Kaepernick effect? Because with Alex Smith, they were kicking a lot of field goals. But 44 for 52 in 2011, conversely in 2012, 29 for 42. That's 13 misses. That's 13 missed field goals for David Akers. 13. That's a lot of missed field goals. And then, and then, you look at him last week against the Falcons, two weeks ago against the Falcons, he misses a 38-yard field goal. Kickers. Kickers are supposed to make a 38. NFL kicker is supposed to make a 38-yard field goal. You cost your team football games when you miss 38-yard field goals. And it almost did. And it almost did. At that time, when he missed that field goal, I was saying, this is a big moment here. Luckily for Akers, luckily for the 49ers, they were able to survive it. They were able to, to survive it. Luckily for that team. Luckily. And you look at the Ravens now. Let's look at the Ravens. And, you know, last year, Billy Cundiff was their kicker, and we all know what happened to Billy Cundiff in the the, uh, playoffs where he missed a 32-yard field goal against the New England Patriots, which cost him the game. But they bring in now the young rookie, Justin Tucker, out of Texas. Justin Tucker, a monster year. 30 for 33. Including a long of 56. Justin Tucker was big time this year. And he had a walk-off kick against the Denver Broncos in overtime. Cold game. Cold football. And they had a walk-off kick. Walk-off victory for the, for the Ravens in double overtime because of the leg of Justin Tucker. He's got a big-time leg. So I have to say, in terms of this is going to probably be a tough, close football game. And I have to say, in looking at that, and looking at that, 
I have to say, I have to say, you know what? You have to give the advantage to the Ravens in terms of the kickers. If it comes down to kickers, which it may, you never know. This is a close. This is going to be a close football game. If it comes down to kickers, comes down to kickers, you have to give the advantage to the Baltimore Ravens. David Akers. And it's weird. Kickers are weird. You know, they, they, I guess it's like a guy who's who's on fire in terms of shooting a jumper. And I, I don't know. I mean, kickers are weird. You, they have moments where they make everything. And then they have those moments where they can't make nothing. And, and David Akers right now, he's having those moments where he can't make nothing. Can't make nothing. And, you know, it's just weird how that works for kickers. It's just weird. And, and to me, you look at this football game, it very may, it very, it very may come down to kickers. It might come down to who has the better kicker. And if it does come down to that, if it does come down to that third phase of the game, because we look at that third phase of the game, almost cost the Ravens against the Broncos. That third phase of the game was the reason that the 49ers went home against the New York Giants in the NFC title game last season. Kyle Williams with the two fumbles. Don't sleep on that third phase of the game. Don't sleep on the third phase of the game. And that third phase of the game is special teams. And that third phase of the game, you have to say, in terms of the kickers, advantage Baltimore and Justin Tucker. David Akers has been a big-time kicker over the years. Been one of the best. And maybe <clears throat> he'll come out inspired, forget about all the things, all the, the problems that, he ha- that he's had throughout the course of this season. And maybe he'll come out and just boom it. Maybe he'll come out and be big-time. Maybe he'll be the difference. Maybe he gets it done for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm a fan of David Akers. fan of this guy. He was an Eagle guy. As you know, I bleed Eagle green, midnight green. But And so I'm, I'm a fan of David Akers. I would hate for him to be in a situation where he shanks a field goal at an important time in the biggest stage, the biggest stage, which is the Super Bowl. That would be a sad situation for David. That was sad for any kicker. I mean, Scott Norwood, wide right. Scott Norwood many years ago. I mean, Buffalo, you know, if they get that field goal, they they kick that field goal, they win that game. We look at those 90s Buffalo Bills a lot differently if he makes that field goal. We look at that 90s Bills team a lot differently if that would have happened. We definitely do. We definitely would. But he missed, he missed it. He missed it, and ultimately – we talk about it in a not-so-good way. It's got to be tough in that particular situation to to miss the field goal wide, right? That's got to be tough. That's truly, truly, truly has to be tough. But that's why you play the game, and that's, that's it's winners and losers, it's highs and lows. That's just the reality of football. That's just the reality of football. It is what it is. It is what it is.
That is the reality of football. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's happy, sometimes it's sad. And the thing about it is somebody's going to be sad in the Harbaugh family. Could be Jim, could be John. And I'm not going to get my pick just yet because i got an hour and 16 minutes left. And I don't know where to go. I'm confused. I'm, I'm, I just don't know where to go. I can't figure this one out. I can, but I can't. I said before and I'll say it again. I don't like to go against destiny. I don't like to go against destiny's child. And destiny's child may very well be the Baltimore Ravens and Ray Lewis. No weapons formed against the Ravens at this point has not prospered, as Ray Lewis said, as he yelled. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Ray Lewis and his miraculous return from his tricep injury. Was it God or was it deer antler spray? Who knows? We'll never know. Only Ray Lewis knows. Only Ray Lewis knows. Only Ray Ray knows. But I know this. I know this. On paper, the 49ers look like the better team. To me. They they look like the better team. They really do. Colin Kaepernick has been spectacular. He's been amazing. He's been exciting. He's been incredible. He's had a great run. He's had a great run. And I, I, I'm hearing the talk now that this game could change the way we look at the quarterback position. We have the traditional back, the traditional pocket passer in Joe Flacco. We have the guy in, in, in Colin Kaepernick who can move around, the, the quote-unquote running quarterback. And from that standpoint, I'm kind of rooting for Colin Kaepernick because it gives an opportunity to a lot of guys. And I also think from this standpoint, I, I think, you know, I don't like to always make things a racial component, but I think there is somewhat of a racial component to this from this standpoint. A lot of the, the, the quote-unquote running quarterbacks tend to be African-American, tend to be black. And I think that, you know, we, we start saying, okay, uh, a quote-unquote running quarterback can't win a Super Bowl. And when I hear that, to me it's almost like an indictment on the black quarterback in some respect and saying that the black quarterback can't win Super Bowls. We've only had one. There's only been one in the NFL, and that's Doug Williams many years ago. So when I, when I, from that standpoint, I'm kind of rooting for for the 49ers and Kaepernick, so we can kind of just 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 kill that whole talk about the running quarterback and the running quarterback not being able to win a Super Bowl and that whole all that talk. I'm ready to be done with that talk, and I think one of the ways to kill that talk is Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers winning this game. Because to me, again, it, it, it's a to me it has you know kind of some racial undertones in some respect because from this standpoint I said it before I said it again a lot of the quote unquote running quarterbacks tend to be black and a lot of people are saying that the quote unquote running quarterback can't win Super Bowls they can't win Super Bowls 
If the 49ers win this Super Bowl, many people believe that they will. A lot of people believe that they will. Does this change the way we look at the quarterback position? I mean, RG3, the kind of year he's had. Russell Wilson, the kind of year he's had. Cam Newton, the kind of year that he had a year ago. These are all running, quote-unquote, running quarterbacks. Even Aaron Rodgers is a mobile quarterback. So uh, the quote-unquote running quarterback, I mean, we look at the teams, Russell Wilson from Seattle, RG3 from Washington, Colin Kaepernick from the 49ers. We can even throw Aaron Rodgers in there. You have four quote-unquote running quarterbacks in these playoffs. Four quote-unquote running quarterbacks in these playoffs. And they've had some success. Russell Wilson had some success beating the Redskins. Was very good against the Redskins. Was good against the Redskins, but was very good against the Falcons. RG3 playing on one leg wasn't bad either. And then, of course, Colin Kaepernick. We've seen what he's done. We've seen his playmaking ability. We've only seen we, we've seen his playmaking ability not only in the pocket. Of course, we're going to see it outside the pocket, but we've seen his playmaking ability in the pocket. So we've seen it both in the pocket and outside the pocket. We've seen some of the things that he can do and has done in his regular season and in these playoffs. So, again, we, we have the quote-unquote pocket pass to the traditional quarterback against the quote-unquote running quarterback. This Super Bowl could be all about ch- the changing of the guard. And this type of, this you know, if, if Ka- Kaepernick and the 49ers win, then it may just change the perception of the running quarterback. I mean, I think the perception is starting to change because the reality is it's, it's been effective. Russell Wilson was effective. RG3 was effective. Cam Newton was effective a year ago. Andrew Luck is, has a lot of running ability as well, and he was effective. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, big time. He was effective. I guess, you know, the, the only true, I guess, quote-unquote running quarterback that has won a Super Bowl, I guess you could say, is Steve Young. But at the time, he wasn't a, you know, Steve Young wasn't the same type of runner that he was earlier in his career. But I look at it, and from that standpoint, I, I don't, you know, I'm not really rooting per se for any of these teams. I don't really have a rooting interest. But from that standpoint, you know, in terms of just kind of squashing all that talk that the running quarterback can't win a Super Bowl, you know, from that standpoint, it has me kind of leaning and rooting for the 49ers because, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see a lot of people, you know, you, you still have the people who prefer the traditional, the classic NFL quarterback. But there's, there's a growing number, a growing number of teams. I mean, Chip Kelly now in Philadelphia, his, his system is predicated upon a quarterback being mobile. Does Michael Vick stick around in that system? And does Michael Vick kind of, you know, rekindle his magic, I mean, the magic that he had in 2010, because he definitely didn't have any magic in 2011 and 2012. Does he rekindle the magic in Philadelphia if they can work something out or if Chip Kelly wants them in Philly? I mean, so this could open it up for a lot of people. But ultimately, will this be a situation or, or a type of offense where ultimately the NFL and defenses figure it out? They catch up. And also you have to look at it from a standpoint of the running quarterback. Can 
obviously Russell Wilson was able to get through the season healthy, and Kaepernick didn't play the whole season. But, you know, from the time he's been in, he's been healthy. But RG3, he kind of broke down there near the end of the season. You know, and ultimately his breaking down ultimately led to him not finishing the wild card game against the Seattle Seahawks. So the question becomes, with this type of offense, can your quarterback stay healthy in this type of offense? Because, you know, you are exposing your quarterback to hits. You are exposing your quarterback to hits. I looked at I look at Russell Wilson in comparison to RG3. Russell Wilson, in the way he runs, really ran smart. RG3, you know, a couple times there, and obviously the, the 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 play against the Ravens where he ultimately hurt his knee initially, where he got hit by Haloti Nada there, that was a situation where he didn't have to cut back in. You remember the play, he was running, but he ultimately cut back in, and because he decided to cut back in, that exposed his body to Haloti Nada, the big guy, the big man Haloti Nada, and ultimately that led to the injury, the RG3 injury, and it led to RG3 not being as effective or not being healthy, as healthy as he wanted to be near the end of the regular season and going into the playoffs. So, we look at this Super Bowl, and the talk is, if Colin Kaepernick wins, this could open up doors for a lot of, quote-unquote, running quarterbacks. This could open up doors for a lot of running quarterbacks. There's a lot of running quarterbacks right now in college cheering for Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, rooting them on. Come on, root them on, rooting them on. You know, they're, they're, they're cheering. They're, they're, they're probably cheering, jumping up and down. Well, they will be cheering and jumping up and down. They'll be celebrating if Colin Kaepernick wins the Super Bowl. If Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers do lose, it will be an epic for all the running quarterbacks in college now who are looking and saying, "And you know what? Hey, look, I actually could be in the NFL and they won't force me to try to be something I'm not, try to be a pocket pastor, just like Randall Cunningham used to say many years ago, let me be me. And, you know, some of these quarterbacks, some of these running quarterbacks in college now may have an opportunity to just be themselves. An old song, thank you for letting me be myself. Maybe some of these quarterbacks will have an opportunity to be themselves. Maybe, 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 just maybe. But it won't happen. It may not happen if Colin Kaepernick loses on Sunday. And I, I mean, quite frankly, and I, I think it's kind of a little overblown. I mean, I don't think it's predicated on this one game. We have seen, like I said before, I mentioned it, running quarterbacks who have led their teams to the playoffs. Running quarterbacks who've had a lot of success this season. And an offense that many believe is a college type offense. It's a college type offense. Whoever would ever have thought that a college style offense would have the type of success that's happening in the NFL? Who who would ever see that, think they would see that day? And 
is it is it almost like the fad of the uh the Wildcat offense? You know, where where, you know, Miami had a lot of success. I remember that game against the Patriots when many years ago when he went into New England and just blew the Patriots out. The Patriots had no answer for the Wildcat. But over time, teams, coaches, players started to figure it out. The get the gimmick was up and we haven't really seen it have much success since. Remember the Dolphins were 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 drafting Pat White from West Virginia to kind of be that guy. That never really panned out. Even look at uh, Tony Sperano last year with the Jets. I mean, with with Tim Tebow as their quote-unquote Wildcat offense quarterback. That didn't work out. We all know what happened there. That was an absolute bust. That was a waste of a roster spot. Cost Tony Sperano his job, rightfully so. That was a waste of a, a roster spot. That was a waste of time. That was a waste of time. Who would ever think that was a good idea to bring Tim Tebow into New York, you know, with the whole situation with your quarterback who was struggling in terms of confidence. I mean, who would think that was a a good idea? Who would think that was a good idea? That's not a good idea. Stupid idea. Stupid idea. Very dumb, very stupid idea. Very dumb, very stupid idea. But anyway... But anyway, I digress. The Tim Tebow experiment was awful. And as we all know, Tim Tebow may not get another shot in his NFL, in the league again, especially as a quarterback. I think it's a, I think it's a travesty that he's not getting another opportunity. He did win a playoff game. But do you remember, it's kind of, and I made this, you know, some people may disagree with this, but I say Tim Tebow, in some respect, could you argue that he's being treated like a black quarterback in the 80s where a lot of those quarterbacks had to go to Canada to to get some to play, get some playing time? Is Tim Tebow being treated that way? Some could make that argument. Some could make that argument. And it could be a little, little bit of a stretch because a guy like Warren Moon had to go to Canada. And we all know Tim Tebow doesn't have half the talent as Warren Moon. Not too many quarterbacks who have half the talent as Warren Moon. But, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks that now, with the way things are going in terms of these these read, these read offenses, the, the spread formations and the read option and everything, now guys like, you know, maybe a Tommy Frazier many years ago would be given an opportunity. Would be given an opportunity. I mean... And if Colin, like I said, if Colin Kaepernick wins on on Sunday, this is a copycat league, you know. We, we this, is a, this is a copycat society. We all copy those who are successful. We should copy those that are successful. It's a good thing. You should copy people that are successful because you want to do, you want to figure out and do some of the things that they did to become successful. So this is a copycat league. We should copycat and copy as many people as we should. And could in life, life we should co- we should copycat people. It's good to copycat people. It's good to to copy people because if a person's successful, what I'm not going to do what they did to be successful. I'm not going to look at some of the things they did and and try to be successful. That would be stupid. That would be foolish. That would be asinine. The second hour of Go For It starts right now.
And we're back. Second hour of Go For It starting right now. And in this hour, we're going to be joined by entertainment reporter Rebecca Briscoe. She's going to give us the lowdown on what's going on in New Orleans, all the happenings, the parties, the media day, all that good stuff. I mean, I want to know. You want to know. We're, we're, We're not New Orleans. She's out there enjoying, having a good old time, making all of us jealous and wishing that we were there as she's covering the Super Bowl and having a good old time. Let's bring her in now. Entertainment reporter, the lovely, the talented, Rebecca Briscoe. Rebecca, how are you? I'm doing absolutely well. Thanks once again for having me on the show. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to be on a show that does focus on sports and also entertainment. So thank you. Rebecca, it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) And let's look at New Orleans now. I mean, first off, I'm hearing a lot of good things about the city. From your perspective, how does the city of New Orleans look? You know what? Uh, We got down to the city yesterday from Houston, and we were able to catch the Beyonce press conference. Of course, as you know, that was one of the most sought-after press conferences yesterday after the lip-syncing controversy. (laughs) So... (laughs) So our girl from Houston, Beyonce, belted her own rendition, a cappella, of the Star Spangled Banner and tore it up. So, so she can sing. We, we, there's oh, no... of, of course, there's no doubt about it that her singing capabilities, but, you know, she had to let the media know. She had to represent, and she executed very well. And I, I'm looking forward to her performance. I, I, I really mean, am looking forward to her performance. I think it's going to be big time. We we are. I'm thinking there are going to be some teasers from her husband. I, I'm just guessing on that. You think? I, I I think you know. Whenever they do performances that are major, he sneaks in or she sneaks in on the set. You know, when they <laughs> open the Barclays, remember she did right, a little definitely. sneak in. So I'm thinking they may have that. Um, one of my disappointments were that Destiny's Child would not be, you know, coming on board with the performances because I wanted to hear some of their songs as well and, you know, also hear some of her music too. Definitely, definitely. I would love to have seen Destiny's Child get back together for that performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been epic. And what about Alicia Keys? She's supposed to be singing the national anthem. She's singing a national anthem, however, we did not um, see her. She didn't have a press conference, but we did see Jennifer Hudson today, and she was definitely adoring all of her fans and signing autographs and just being so gracious. Now, were you there for media day? I was not there for media day. I was was in Houston covering some events for our publication, so we didn't leave until yesterday. Okay, okay. Absolutely. So you just got into New Orleans tonight, or uh, today, Uh, I should say. No, yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday I'm got, sorry. Yesterday, okay. Thursday, so you got to New Orleans yesterday. You're looking at some of the sights and sounds. Oh, <laughs> what else? What's, what's been going on on Bourbon Street? Um, it, it's getting pumped. It, it, people are definitely today getting ready to turn up, of course, because it's Friday. Yesterday was kind of dead. So looking forward to more fans, of course. Um, definitely the 49ers are in the house. Baltimore Ravens, but mostly people would not believe how the Saints fans are turning up. They're wearing their jerseys. They're representing. They are definitely in the place. Now, have you seen some of the Ravens players or the 49ers players out and about? 
Oh, no, sir. The only players that we um, have seen about are pretty much the ones that you see for the other 30 teams. Um, okay. They've been in the NFL experience zone, signing autographs, meeting with fans, participating with kids, and so forth. Um, this morning, though, they held the press conference for both coaches, and they did it together. So it was really interesting. Their father was there. Their grandfather was there. It was really, really nice because at first initially it was going to be um, one coach at 830 and the 49ers coach at 9 o'clock. So at the last minute they, they combined them. Okay, okay, and and that had that was has to be it has to be an interesting press conference. Two brothers there, same time, coaching in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just an amazing story. I, I don't know um, what I would do if I were their parents. I mean, that would be a difficult situation. What would Rebecca Briscoe do if she was the mama of Jim and John Harbaugh? I'd be like, baby, do the best you can. Well, if you <laughs> lose, I love you. If you win, I love you. Just do the best you can. One of them going to lose. Oh, okay. well, let's let's put it to you this way. Let's put it to you this way. Okay, game's over. John John Briscoe wins. Jim Briscoe loses. Where does Mama Briscoe go? Does she go with the winner or does she go with the loser? I, I think I would nurse the loser first. Okay. Okay. You know, okay. I, I, and I, 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 I think that would be the right thing to do. I mean. I would think the dad would go with the winner and the mama goes with the loser because the mom moms have a way of, of, of consoling the right way, saying the right words. I would think the right thing to do is mama go with the loser. I agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> so I think I would um, be doing a lot of massaging and nursing from um, the person who did loads. You're talking to entertainment right reporter. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, but I think it's going to be a great game, though. I think they're going to really go to war on Sunday. They're definitely going to go to war, and it's definitely going to be a big-time game. We're talking to entertainment reporter Rebecca Briscoe. Rebecca, you weren't at Media Day, but one of the biggest moments of Media Day is Ray, was Ray Lewis at the podium. I want to get your thoughts here. You are a reporter. At this point, do you think it is, it is appropriate for reporters to ask Ray Lewis about the double murder that – he may have had or may not have had involvement in 13 years ago? I think it's, uh, as a citizen, your constitutional right is freedom of speech. However, understanding one's integrity and character must be placed in consideration as a reporter. I think a lot of times people use their platform and overindulge where they should really be tactful and uphold integrity because you have a job and one of your jobs is to master professionalism at all times. I think um, a lot of media that I have seen, a lot of times they say inappropriate things at at inappropriate times, and it's up to the celebrity, the politician, the athlete to really take notice um, ahead of time so that they're always just prepared. Right, right. I I think, I mean, I think it is appropriate to ask him about it from this standpoint. It, I think it's a part of his legacy, fair or unfair. I think on some level it is a part of his legacy. And I, I do believe that Ray Lewis truly has changed. I think he is a different guy than he was 13 years ago. And I mean, he was 24 at the time. He's 37 now. So I would hope he's changed, and I think he has changed. And his character has definitely let the masses know that he has changed because through his leadership, he is leading 
through his character. I mean, he has motivated players on the team to become leaders and to become better fathers, to become um, better husbands and so forth, and better sons as well, just by Definitely. leading by example. And, Definitely. you know, everybody has faults. Everybody has skeletons. But one thing I do know that people have the, the will to change, and people can change. Definitely. Definitely. And I think we should look at it. I mean, he, I, I think he is a different man. And, and, like, to your point, people do change. And the reality is people all, we all have faults. We Absolutely. all have faults. We all have issues. Some are bigger than others. Some are greater than others. But we all have faults and issues. So the reality is Ray Lewis is a man. And I think Absolutely. more often than not, the problem that we with that comes sometimes is we put athletes on, on, on a pedestal. We, we, we expect them to be superhuman instead of human, just like we are. Mhm. And I, I think I agree. And I think that's the kind of situation with Ray Lewis. We obviously, you know, he he had, he's made some mistakes. He's made some mistakes, but the reality is I think he has changed and we'll see if the Ray Lewis ride continues in the Super Bowl. And let's look at the Super Bowl now, Rebecca. I mean, you are an entertainment reporter, but you do know a lot about the game of football. Going into the Super Bowl, what do you think are the keys to this game? I think the keys are patience because um, by me covering the Texans, I'm like, I'm, I'm mystified being that we beat the San Francisco 49ers, we beat the Baltimore Ravens, but guess what? We're still sitting in Texas. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, these teams definitely know how to create a plan and execute it effectively. That's why they are being at football's biggest night on Sunday. Um, I definitely think patience is going to be the key. I think um, teamwork and leadership is going to be the key, and definitely just executing to to the fullest. Um, not being afraid because some people, this is their first rodeo to the Super Bowl, and, you know, it can be overwhelming. So I think um, that's probably one of the main reasons why we haven't seen any of the players down Canal Street or Bourbon right. Street because it right. seems as though from the press conference with the brothers today that they're very focused. And, and it's, Friday, it's Friday night, two, two nights, two days before the game. They should be somewhere tucked away getting their focus, getting their mind right. Yeah, absolutely. You can't be out there in those streets. Uh-huh, definitely not New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And a lot of people out there are saying that maybe the Ravens truly are Destiny's Child. Maybe they are Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. Maybe they are Destiny's Child. I mean, Ray Lewis has said it over and over. No weapon formed against the Ravens, the Ravens shall not prosper. In your mind, Rebecca, is it possible that the Ravens are the team of destiny, are a team of destiny, excuse me? You, you know what, I'm glad you brought this up, Paul, because we talked about this over lunch today, that Ray Lewis has a captivating story. He has, you know, overcome adversity in his life and also on the football field. Also, um, Tory, um, how his brother passed on a motorcycle accident. Tory Smith, didn't yeah. use Absolutely, Torrey Smith, and he didn't use that as an uh, an excuse to not to perform. And ever since, he has been exceeding expectations. And one of my missions as a reporter is to engage great stories, and they have an awesome story on that team. Um, Vontae, who played for the Texans, um, he went to Baltimore and just ripped it. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. So they have a great story, and they have so many people on that team that love to be part of a team. And they don't have a problem following great leaders, but at the same time, they don't have a problem standing up and taking charge, too. Now, Rebecca, before I get your prediction on this game, I I want to get a female perspective with this whole Manti Teo thing. I mean, this guy (laughs) basically fell in love with a fake person. From a female perspective, and I want to get your perspective here, is it possible for anyone to fall in love with a person you never seen, you never hugged? I mean, is it possible? I don't think you can. He said this girl was the love of his life. At least that's what he told us. I don't think it's possible. What do you think? Is it possible? I firmly believe that men are physical creatures and people have needs. And and some of those needs are to be loved and to um, be affectionate. And I don't understand how you can be loving and affectionate over the computer. (laughs) Now, if you can figure that out, if if you can figure that out, tell me. I think that is the ultimate catfish. He should get an Academy Award for for catfishing. Um, (laughs) A great story, but I'm missing the characters. (laughs) Well. I mean, let me let me play devil's advocate for a moment here. I mean, is it possible you're sharing a lot of time on the internet, sharing a lot of time on the phone? You're talking to this person on a consistent basis, six, seven, eight hours a day. You, you, you're you're telling them all about you, telling telling them all about your faults, your, your 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 the good things, the bad things, everything. Is it possible from that, from a phone conversation, that you could fall in love with a person? I mean, you're talking to them for long periods of time. I, I I just find that hard to believe, and I, I just think that men are physical creatures, and they want to see who they are talking to, and right. they also have needs on how they want to express that, and that's having some face-to-face contact. And it's, I find that hard to believe. I mean, maybe he has the guru on that. Maybe he has a magic stick for that. But I, as a woman, find it hard to believe for you to have an ongoing relationship and you haven't seen that person, and especially when they're going through certain issues in their life, you know, where you need to be there for them. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I can't explain how he could fall in love and this woman, well, I guess it's not a woman, it's a man behind this whole thing. I don't know how he could fall in love with someone he's never seen. I mean, uh, that's I'm, I'm not even talking about laying and sleeping with her. I'm just talking about seeing her. I'm just talking about hugging her. I'm just talking about holding her hand, smelling her perfume. I mean, I don't I don't know how that's possible, and I agree with you. It's just it's just weird. It's just weird, odd, crazy, and all those other things. Rebecca, I know you have a website. Tell us where fans can connect with Rebecca Briscoe. Um, you can definitely check me out on Twitter. It is B-C-K-Y-V-R. And um, as Paul mentioned, I am the National Entertainment Reporter for Houston Style Magazine. So that means we cover um, some of your most sought-after sports, the sporting events, charitable events, entertainment, as well as philanthropic. Okay, okay. So fans, support some of the great things Rebecca Briscoe has going on. Rebecca, are you going to? Actually, we lost her. We lost her call, but maybe she'll call back. But it, it was interesting to get get her take in terms of the whole Manti Teo thing. I mean, 
it's just an odd story. And then it comes out now, Renaya Tuiasasopo, who was on Dr. Phil the other day, he said, you know what, he fell in love with Manti Teo. They fell in love with each other. And he talked about being confused and saying that he doesn't know what he is, you know, and he's trying to, 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 to fight his homosexuality at this point. He's trying to, to, to not be gay, basically. And, you know, it, it's just the story gets weirder and weirder, odder and odder by the day. And then it's, you know, it's, it's been an odd story from its inception. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know in terms of whether or not what's going on now. I mean, I don't know if he, he, he was a part of it. Toyasa Sopa says he was not a part of it. Toyasa Sopa said uh, Manti Teo was talking to him the whole time. And Manti Teo truly was catfished. And I don't know. I mean, bottom line is this, and, and let's kind of bottom line this. Bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. Here is the bottom line. And let's talk, let's bring it back to the football field, because ultimately that's where it belongs. If Manti Teo, and if I believe that Manti Teo can ball, if I believe Manti Teo is the truth, if I believe that Manti Teo is a big-time football player, I'm putting Manti Teo on my team. Bottom line. Manti Teo would be drafted by a team that was headed by Paul Gann if he was a GM or a coach of a team. I would bring Manti Teo in. That's me. He can play. I don't care how weird he is. I don't care about his love life. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And speaking of that, love life and everything, we we had Chris Culliver um, this week. Chris had some comments that, you know, obviously he took back and obviously he regretted saying. But, you know, Chris Culliver, he had some anti-gay comments this week. And his comments basically centered around, he said he wouldn't want a gay teammate. I mean, he says that, and this is what he said to Artie Lang, the comedian. He said this. You know, you, you got well. I don't have what he says. I thought I had it up, but I don't. But all, all in all, is this: he he made some unfortunate comments in relation to having a gay player on his team, and he wouldn't accept that. Actually, before we go back to, let's bring in now. Let's bring in Rebecca Briscoe. She is back on the line. Rebecca. I am here. My phone died. So I apologize for that, Paul. No problem. No problem. And Rebecca, we got to get your prediction. We 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 have to get your prediction. A lot of people are saying, you know what, Ray Lewis is saying that, you know, no weapon formed against the Ravens shall prosper. Ray Lewis is talking about God, and Ray Lewis, there are, there's always the possibility that the Ravens may be truly the team of destiny. On paper, I think the 49ers are the better team. But in your mind, Rebecca, who will win on Sunday? Okay, now when I say um, win, when I say that story goes to Baltimore Ravens of of resiliency. Um, I've interviewed Vernon Davis at the Espies. Great team. They have come from, they've made significant strides on building their team and having it become a household name like it used to be in the 90s. Um, So, I would honestly have to say 
Drum roll, please. Oh, let me get, let me, wait one second. Let me get the drums, let me get the drums, let me get the drums. Let me get the drums for you. Let me bring in the drums. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> what is it? I'm going to say San Francisco 49ers. I'm, I'm just going to have to roll with them. You're going against Destiny? I'm going against Destiny. You're going against, you may be even going against God here. Uh, well... Forgive me, brother. Forgive me, brother. <laughs> For I may have sinned. Okay. <laughs> we shall see. It should be a great, great game. Are you going to the game? Um, as of right now, we may, we may not. I'm not particularly sure um, what our plans are, but we have definitely been um, granted a lot of great access for all of the um, NFL events. Um, that we've been in town for thus far. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I really didn't get excited about the Super Bowl until um, San Francisco and Baltimore was confirmed. Okay. I, I, re- I really didn't get excited. You know, cover the Texans. I was a little heartbroken. I, you know, we kind of lost it at the last string. But, you <laughs> know, that, 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 that happens. You know, we're, we're growing. We're learning, too. You know, J.J. can't do it all. So, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just pray for a better season next year. Definitely. That's all you can do. And real quickly now, Rebecca, where can fans find your work? Um, um, You can find my work on um, stylemagazine.com, or you can actually go on my own personal website, rebeccabriscoe.net, or you can find me on Twitter, B-C-K-Y-B-R. Um, I haven't been tweeting as much as I should because we've been pumping, pumping, pumping. Um, since we got into New Orleans. But um, if you send me a tweet, if you um, acknowledge me on Twitter, I definitely reach out and, and so forth. I'm I'm one of those. And I'm, I'm very open-minded. <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> it was a pleasure to have your open-mindedness on the show. Greatly appreciate it. Love to have you back. Have fun in New Orleans, but not too much fun. And let's do it again. Oh. Absolutely, and thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. I know you have some great listeners, so definitely check me out on Twitter, B-C-K-Y-B-R. And anytime you want a sister with some class and some fast on the show, just holler at me. Let me know. Uh, Will do. Will do. Appreciate it, Rebecca. All right. You take care. Rebecca Briscoe, national entertainment reporter, Houston Style Magazine. Follow her on Twitter, B-C. K-Y-B-R, and also go to our website, RebeccaBriscoe.net. I thought something happened to Rebecca. I thought her phone, I mean, I thought she got an accident or something. I just heard her her, her, her phone, I heard some, some noise, some thud, and all of a sudden she was gone. But she's, she's alive and well and kicking. Um, <clears throat> like I said, going back to Chris Culliver, I mean, he, he said some things to Artie Lang in an interview, and a lot of people have been talking about it. And he, some of his comments were, and we had Chris Culliver on the show, and I think he's a good dude. I really do. I really think he's a good dude. Seems like a good guy. You know, a lot of times, and, and this is the thing, a lot of times in Super Bowl, during Super Bowl, during media day, you have a whole bunch of people converging there. And having that, you have all different reporters from all different walks of life and in having that, you're going to get odd questions. You're going to get various questions and questions that you may truly not be prepared for. 
you may truly not be prepared for some of those questions that are coming your way. And Chris Culliver, maybe he wasn't prepared, and here's where his – this was his comments in talking about uh, uh, having a gay person on his team. He said, I don't, I don't do the guys. I don't do that. We don't have any gays on the team. They've got to get up out of here if they do. Can't be with that sweet stuff. And, and that's, those were the comments of Chris Culliver. And the, and the thing about it is, you know, he's a young guy, but you've got to know better in terms of, of, of talking about those type of things and saying those type of things. Even if he felt those type even if he felt that way, he's got to remember that he's playing in San Francisco, you know, and San Francisco, is a, there's a lot of homosexuals in San Francisco, so you've got to be careful from that aspect. And then just, just in general, you know, you've got to be careful of some of the things that he's, you say, and, and he has to watch some of the things that he says. And I think overall he's a good dude. I think he's a good dude. We had him on the show. I think he's a good dude. I just think a lot of – I think he just got caught up. Got caught up, made some unfortunate statements, and ultimately he apologized. Um, he did apologize, and he did say, you know, I, the derogatory comments I made yesterday were a reflection of the thoughts in my head, but they are not how I feel. It was take, It was taking me seeing them in print to realize that they are hurtful and ugly. Those discriminating feelings are truly not in my heart. Further, I apologize to those I have hurt and offended, and I pledge to learn and grow from this experience. So hopefully he learns and grows. And ultimately, I mean, if he felt the way he has, I mean, if he really truly felt that way, he probably should have just kept it to himself. And I think a lot of times, you know, I think the NFL does a disservice to some of these guys by credentialing some people and having people ask questions that these guys aren't truly prepared to answer. So, you know, ultimately he's a grown man, and, you know, he made a grown man decision by saying some of the things that he said, but the reality of it is this. I think the NFL puts some of these players in a position where, you know, these guys now are are are, asking, are answering questions, you know, that really have nothing to do with the game of football, and in doing so and, and asking guys these questions, you know, you, these guys unfortunately come up sometimes with answers that are not politically correct and answers that are, are, are offensive to some and are offensive to others, you know. So that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, when, when we have, you know, guys, like I said, we have a bunch of different reporters out there from all different walks of life asking Various questions, you know, ultimately guys are going to answer them sometimes not in the way that we like them to. Sometimes in a way that, ways that are, that are offensive to others, you know. Ways that are offensive to others and ultimately Chris Culliver got caught up. He got caught up. <clears throat> he got caught up. And, and that's the reality of the situation. That is the reality of the situation. And he got caught up. Got caught up. And he also talked about, he's, you know, homosexual athletes should keep their sexuality private until 10 years after they retire. Um, you know, these are the comments he made, but I think ultimately he got caught up. I really do. And I think anytime you again, you have all different types of media from all different walks of life, asking all different questions, all different types of questions, 
you're going to get guys answering questions in a not-so-politically-correct way. And, unfortunately, that's what happened with Chris Culliver. But hopefully, 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 he learns from him, watches what he says, and ultimately, ultimately, ultimately become a better person from it. And that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. That truly is the bottom line. But it is what it is. It is what it is, and hopefully, ultimately, Chris Culliver learns from what happened. I want to switch gears now to baseball. And I know it's Super Bowl week. I know we're all talking about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is Sunday, of course. But Alex Alex Rodriguez is at it again. A-Rod is at it again. Apparently, A-Rod has gotten caught up again. I thought he was done with the juice. I thought he was off the juice. I thought he was off the juice. But A-Rod got caught up again. According to reports, according to reports, A-Rod has been allegedly shot up by one Anthony Bosch. He would come to his house, according to some reports, and, and, and give inject A-Rod with performance-enhancing drugs. And... There are a few athletes who have been connected with the Bosch Biogenesis of America Clinic in Coral Gables, Florida. A lot of athletes have been caught up. Well, a few athletes. You have Melky Cabrera, Bartolo Colon, Nelson Cruz, Gio Gonzalez, to name a few. But A-Rod's the big fish. He's the big fish. And and actually, Manny, Manny Ramirez was, was caught up with this group as well, Anthony Bosch. So, you know, this is a crazy situation, but not a surprising situation. I mean, anytime you hear guys in performance-enhancing drugs, it's never a surprise anymore. Are we truly surprised? I mean, if the story of what Ray Lewis was true, would we be surprised? Probably not. Are we surprised with A-Rod? I mean, the guy, he, he admitted from 2001, 2003, he was involved in using performance-enhancing drugs. Are we surprised that he's still using? It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. And, you know, it may be A-Rod. The funny thing, you know, many years ago we talked about A-Rod, and we were saying maybe A-Rod will actually be the clean home run champion. You know, we, we talked about Bonds, and we were always saying Bonds was the dirty one. Maybe A-Rod would actually be the clean home run, the, the clean home run leader, the clean home run champion, the clean home run title. Maybe he would be that guy who would be the clean home run king. Maybe he would be the clean home run king instead of Barry Bonds. But as it turns out now, A-Rod may not play again in terms of what the issues that he has with his hip. So he may not play again. He's stuck at 647 home runs. He's probably not going to catch Bonds. And even if he did, we got to put an asterisk behind his numbers and next to his numbers. And he's one of these guys, maybe A-Rod is one of these guys now who will not make the Hall of Fame. We looked at his career, his whole career, and we were saying to him ourselves, he's a definite Hall of Famer. He's a definite Hall of Famer. A definite Hall of Famer. Well, now, now with, all the things that we're hearing now, with the things that we heard initially with him, 
being on the list, with the things that we heard from him, being on the list, and now the things that we're hearing now with Anthony Bosch, and he may have injected A-Rod, and so on and so forth. And you look at A-Rod's numbers from 2001 to 2003, the years that he said he was juicing, 52 home runs in 2001, 52 home runs in 2002, 47 home runs in 2003. So, big-time home run numbers for Alex Rodriguez. That was a heck of a stretch for Alex Rodriguez. And I said, I said 52, 57, and 47 from 2001 to 2003. That's a lot of home runs. That's a lot of home runs. 52 in 2001, 57 in 2002, 47 in 2003. Alex Rodriguez. That's 152 home runs in a three-year span. 152 home runs in a three-year span for A-Rod. And then you look at A-Rod the past two seasons. 2011, played 99 games, 16 home runs. 2012, 122 games. And for A-Rod, 18 home runs. I think A-Rod's doing something, did something. I believe it. I believe it. I know A-Rod denies it. Of course he would deny it. But he's on the list. He's on the list, and they said the Yankees were trying to find a way to get out of this, get out of his contract. That's probably going to be unlikely. Apparently they tried it before with Jason Diambi. They were not successful. They were not successful. He said, you know, from 2001 to 2003, he used PEDs. He said he hasn't used it, used it since. Well, 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 well. According to this report, 2009, A-Rod list appeared, name I should say, appeared on the list in terms of getting or receiving performance-enhancing drugs from this lab in, in, in Florida. 2009 to this season. And let's go back to 2009 for A-Rod because 2009 was a tough year for my Phillies. They played the Yankees in the World Series. A-Rod was big time, too. 2009, 30 home runs, 100 RBI. He was big time. That season was big time in those playoffs. And I, it goes back to the argument, though. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about but let's be honest. And let me give you this example to help you out here. If, if Let's just say the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year, and it came out that five years ago, five years later, I should say, Michael Vick was using performance-enhancing drugs. I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. Now, would I care that Michael Vick got caught with PEDs? Not at all. No, no, none, not at all. Wouldn't care one bit. I got my ring. My team won the championship. I wouldn't care. Would not care one bit. I'm a fan of the Eagles. I wouldn't care if Michael Vick cheated and used, perform- used performance-enhancing drugs. Wouldn't matter to me a lick. Would not matter to me one iota. Would not at all. Just wouldn't. Wouldn't care a bit. Wouldn't care a bit. If that would have happened, if Michael Vick somehow, somewhere, and obviously this didn't, this didn't happen. And obviously, 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 
the Eagles have not won a Super Bowl. But if it, hypothetically speaking, if the Eagles won it last year, and it came out that five years later Michael Vick was using performance-enhancing drugs, you think I would care? Not at all. And I don't think many fans would care. I don't think they really would care. I don't think they would care. I really don't. But A-Rod, at this point, I think we have to start talking about A-Rod in terms of, you know, obviously 2001-2003 he admitted to using PEDs. And the thing is, the funny thing is, you know, A-Rod was, you know, signed that big deal with the Yankees, supposed to retire in, in the pinstripes, and he was supposed to break Bonds' record in the new Yankee Stadium. We all know. And he was supposed to be the quote-unquote the clean home run champion. He was supposed to be the clean one. That's what he was supposed to be. That's what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the clean guy, the clean one. He was supposed to be the clean one. That's what he was supposed to be. And we all know now he ain't clean. We all know he ain't clean. He's not. And does he make the Hall of Fame now? As far as I'm concerned, Barry Bonds can't get in. And obviously it's the first time, first time on the ballot, and that could change years from now. But as long as Barry Bonds doesn't get in, Alex Rodriguez shouldn't get in. You can even argue as long as Sammy Sosa doesn't get in. Alex Rodriguez shouldn't get in. You can make that argument, I think. As long as Mark McGuire doesn't get in, Alex Rodriguez shouldn't get in. So that's the way I look at that. I I mean, everybody, you know, there was a time where everybody was cheating. The best of the cheaters, you could argue, were Sosa, McGuire, Bond, Clemens. But as far as I'm concerned, Bonds and Clemens probably were Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers, regardless, with or without it. McGuire, you could make an argument that he may have, may not have been. Sosa, same deal. And again, as far as I'm concerned, if Sammy Sosa's not in, A. Rod shouldn't get in. Sosa has 609 home runs. A-Rod at 647, and that could change if A-Rod plays again. But A-Rod may never play again. Could be out for the year. A-Rod may never play again. With this latest situation, he may never play again. May never play again. But again, are you surprised? Are you surprised? That's the question I have for you. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised one bit. And I want to move back to uh, the situation with Ray Lewis and the PEDs and the deer antler spray. Mitch Ross, who we talked about, had a press conference today, and he stated that he'd never seen Ray Lewis use uh, deer antler spray. He did say some of his some of the Ravens players have used his performance chips, but whatever that may be, but they have not used. He's never seen Ray Lewis use. Antler spray doesn't mean Ray Lewis didn't use it, but he says he never used it, never seen him use it. The bottom line, even if Ray Lewis did use it, we'd never know anyway unless Ray Lewis admitted it because, as we all know, the NFL does not test for uh, IGF. So we would never know. We would never know if Ray Lewis used deer antler spray. That's so funny. 
I mean, that's 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 so funny that we're talking about deer antler spray. We're talking about deer antler spray, not a game. Deer antler spray, not a game. Deer antler spray. We're talking about deer antler spray, not the Super Bowl. And I'm trying to give my best Allen Iverson rendition. And speaking of Allen Iverson, the Mavericks D League affiliate offered Allen Iverson an opportunity to come on back in the D-League. Maybe Allen Iverson could prove himself in the D-League and ultimately get another shot in the NBA. They talked about how Rashawn McCants is playing for them, how Mike James played for them and ultimately got a 10-day contract with the Mavericks. But anyway, Allen Iverson has turned that down. And reports are Allen Iverson has reached out to the Sixers in terms of looking for another opportunity, another chance. Another chance. And he just settled his divorce with his wife. He's got to give her $3 million. So he settled that. That's behind him. It's unfortunate for AI. But now, you know, there's talk about his money issues. He said he doesn't have any money issues. And But ultimately, AI... He wants to pursue some kind of job with the Sixers, wants to have some kind of role with the Sixers, whether that's playing, whether that maybe that's coaching. Maybe that's coaching. Who knows? He wants to reach out. He wants to reach out. And these are the comments from his manager, Gary Moore. And, you know, Iverson wants to come back, maybe as a consultant. Maybe even as a player. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And Gary Moore, his manager, just was in Philly visiting with the ownership of the Sixers, Josh Harris, Adam Aaron. And, you know, he likes to be involved with the Sixers one way or another. And this is when he steps aside for the game for good. This is when he says he's completely retired, and whatever that may be. He may be retired by default. He's he, well, obviously he's retired by default because no one's giving him another opportunity, another chance. No one is giving Allen Iverson a chance. No one. And, you know, Larry Brown says he deserves a chance. Um, you know, people are saying he deserves a chance. And, you know, you can argue if, if, if Mike James is getting an opportunity in the league, why not Allen Iverson? Why not Allen Iverson? Why can't Allen Iverson? Get a shot. Why not? Why not? Why not? And I, I mean, I think it would be good for the Sixers to bring back AI in some capacity, in some way, shape, or form. I'm not saying as a player, because I don't know how much he has left. But I think he, I mean, Allen Iverson the type of guy can probably get 10 points in his sleep. And, uh, you know, maybe he can... We we don't know what kind of shape he's in. We don't know what kind of shape he's in. He hasn't played in the NBA in three years. Has not played in the NBA in three years. So, you know, maybe. Maybe he'll get another opportunity. Maybe he won't. But the reality is, and I say this over and over, guys like T.O., guys like Allen Iverson, they're on the outside looking in. Main reason is their attitude, and they are 
that cute girl, that pretty girl, that beautiful girl, that dime piece that that you saw back in the day, beautiful girl, but had the worst attitude in the world, a bad attitude. And you know what? You were willing to deal with that attitude. You were willing to do anything possible, anything possible to get with that girl. You would do anything to get with that girl. You didn't care about the attitude. Attitude, so what? Mean, so what? She's cute. I want her. That's all that matters. And, you know, you look at it now, that same girl has gotten older. Same attitude still, but a little older. Would you want to deal with her? Probably not. And I think that's what's happening with these guys. These guys are caught up in a situation where, again, there was a point in their lives where they were the man. People loved them. People loved them. People loved AI. People loved TO. But they were paying the neck in terms of, uh, for the organization with some of the things that they did. Talking about practice and TO. You know, doing sit ups and push ups in the driveway of his home. Calling out his teammates, so on and so forth. You know, that that that, that act gets tired when you can't ball. That act, that act gets tired when you're not cute anymore, when you're no longer the, the, that cute girl. That act gets tired. The mo- no one wants to deal with that. You know what? You know, you, you're cute and all, but you ain't as cute as you used to be. So I don't want to deal with you. I don't deal with you. And I think that's the situation Alan Iverson and T.O. are running into. They were the cute girl or the cute girl with the bad attitude. And now that cute girl is not so cute anymore. Still may have the attitude, although they said both have said they're they're humbled and are willing to do whatever they got to do to get another opportunity. No one deserves another opportunity in life. No one deserves anything. I think Allen Iverson should have accepted this assignment. And, and you could argue, okay, this man has done a lot in this league. This man was an MVP. This man was a led his team to the finals. This man is 18th in, in scoring in, in, of all time the 18th leading scorer in NBA history. I, I know all those things, but guess what? Because of some of the things he's done early in his career, people are not so willing to give him another opportunity. This is an opportunity to, to show the NBA that, guess what? I still can ball. I still can get it done. And I, I think on some level he has to humble himself and take that opportunity. I know it's the D-League. I know you're not you're not you know on big time flights. I know you're not getting the best hotel accommodations. I, I know. I, I, I know it's not what you're used to. I know that. I get that. I understand that. But guess what? Guess what? This might be your only opportunity to show the folks in the NBA that you can ball a. And also show the folks in the NBA that you're a humble guy. That you're humbled now. That you're a different man. You're not the same. You've changed. This is your opportunity to do that. This is your opportunity to do that. And I think he should have did it. I think he should have did it. A lot of, there are some people who disagree. Say, you know what? Because of some of the things he did in this league, in terms of the way he, the, the points that he scored, the 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 how much fa- how much uh, you know how the fans have 
clamored, and, and, and many fans, lots of fans have, have filled up NBA buildings, NBA arenas to see him. He's brought a lot of attention to the game. And, you know, he deserves an opportunity. You know, he shouldn't have to go through the D-League to get another shot in this league. And I disagree. I disagree. He's in a position now. He's in a position now where he has to. He has to now prove to NBA executives that, A, he can play, B, that he's humble. So I think he should have took the assignment. I think he should have taken the assignment and just proved to prove into the league that he can play. That's what I think. But he chose what he wanted. He did what he wanted to do. It's his decision, and it is what it is. I just hope Allen Iverson gets another opportunity in the NBA. That's bottom line. I just I don't, I don't care how it happens, whether it's through a D-league call-up or whether it's through, you know, just a tryout or whether it's through just a team just out out now just signing up. I hope Allen Iverson gets another opportunity in the NBA. I love AI. Loved AI. You know, that that my that two thousand, two thousand one Sixer team, my favorite team ever of all time. Love that team. Love that team. How could you not love that team? How could you not love that team? They they were just a bunch of scrappers. Bunch of scrappers, everybody, Eric Snow, Tyrone Hill, George Lynch, Aaron McKee, Dikembe Mutombo, Theo Ratliff before him, Allen Iverson, of course. You know, the list goes on and on. They were a tough basketball team. And none tougher than their leader, the man, Allen Iverson. I hope he gets another opportunity. I hope he gets another opportunity. Kids, do you agree? Okay, they agree so. They say yes. They hope he gets another opportunity. I do too. Let's return now to the Super Bowl. Let's return to the Super Bowl because it's about that time for me to make my pick. Now, now, Ray Lewis, uh, before I get to Ray Lewis, let's put this thing on paper. Niners, fourth against the pass, fourth against the run in terms of defense. Ravens, 20th against the, the run, 17th against the pass. Niners, offensively, I think, are better at this point with Colin Kaepernick. As well as Joe Flacco's played in these playoffs, I think Colin Kaepernick has played better. And that's hard to say when you have a guy who's had eight touchdowns and zero interceptions in Joe Flacco. But I think Colin Kaepernick has played better. 400 yards of total offense against the Green Bay Packers, bringing his team from behind against the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs, in, in the NFC title game in Atlanta. I think Colin Kaepernick has played better. And I think Colin Kaepernick at this point is playing is, – is, I think Colin Ka- – I can't – well, Colin Kaepernick to me, yes. I think Colin Kaepernick is the better quarterback. And I think he will demonstrate that. And I know Joe Flacco over the years has proven that he is a, a decent quarterback, six playoff victories on the road in, in, in the playoffs. I mean, that's big time. That's big time. That's going into somebody else's building and taking a game. You know what? I'm going into your building. Peyton Manning, I'm going into your building. Tom Brady, I'm going into your building, and I'm getting this victory. Bottom line, point blank. That's big time. But, you know, Colin Kaepernick, Matty Ice, I'm coming into your building. I'm getting this victory. Bottom line, point blank. But I think 49ers defensively are better. I think 
you know, in terms of running the football. I think the 49ers can't have such success against the Ravens. Ravens 20th against the Rush. Teams have had success. Cowboys had a lot of success in the regular season. I want to say they were over 200 yards rushing in the regular season against the uh, Ravens during the regular season. And obviously, the Ravens are a hot football team right now. They're playing like a hot team. 49ers, they're not cold. They're playing like a hot football team as well. They're playing like a hot football team. So both of these teams are hot. Both of these teams are hot. Now, let's go to the Ray Lewis effect. And, you know, in talking about this whole Ray Lewis thing, and this is the only thing that's scaring me. I say this over and over, and I'm going to review myself. This is the only thing that is scaring me in terms of making a pick. Quite possibly, the Ravens could be Destiny's Child. No weapon formed against the Ravens may not prosper. It hasn't prospered to this point. We've seen the way Joe Flacco's played. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. We've seen the Ravens' defense step up against the Patriots, shut out Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense in the second half. We've seen the miraculous 70-yard touchdown to Jacoby Jones late in a ball game, still winning a game after giving up two special teams' touchdowns. So that's miraculous. That's amazing. That's incredible. That gives me some doubts in terms of making my decision. Ray Lewis, one of the greatest leaders we've seen in sports. Ray Lewis, his final hurrah, a man that can motivate men, a man who looks like to be a big-time leader of men, a man who seemingly has transformed his life, a man who wears his religion on his sleeve, a man who you get to sense believes that it's his destiny to win this Super Bowl. It's his time. Now, I said it earlier in the show, and I'll say it now. I do believe God cares about who wins games. I do believe God. God decides everything, in my opinion. God's in control of everything, in my opinion. So I do believe God is in control of who wins this game. I do believe God cares about who wins this game. I think God cares about everything. So as far as I'm concerned, and I, I just, that is my only doubt. This Ray Lewis thing, man, this, this is my only doubt. This, are the Ravens truly a team of destiny? And the way they've, they've been in these playoffs thus far, they truly could be that team of destiny. But on paper, the Niners are a better football team. They are the better football team. They truly are. They truly are. But what about Ray Lewis? What about Ray Lewis? What about his final hurrah? What about let's win one for the Gipper? Let's win one for Ray. Let's win it for Ray. Let's get Ray. Let, let's send Ray out on a high note. Let's send Ray out there. Let's send Ray out on a good note, on a high note, as a champion. Let's send out this great leader as a champion. Let's send him off as a champion. Let's let him ride into the sunset as a champion. Let's win this one for Ray. Let's win it for Ray. Let Ray dance off into the sunset. Let's win it for Ray. That scares me, man. That scares me. That truly scares me in terms of making my pick. But you know what? I'm a man. 
And as a man, I got to man up. So guess what? It's about that time, folks. It's time to make my pick. Bring in the drums! Let me try it again. Bring in the drums! I am going against Ray Lewis here. I, I, I can't go against the 49ers. I know what I see on paper, and I believe what I see on paper. I know what I see, and I believe it. The 49ers are a better football team on both sides of the ball. Colin Kaepernick is balling. I think they can run the ball against this Ravens defense. I think Colin Kaepernick can throw the ball against this Ravens defense. I think points can be had against this Ravens defense. I think points will be had against this Ravens defense, and I think the 49ers will put up points, and I think ultimately the 49ers win this game. You want to score? I think the 49ers win 30-23. to Colin Kaepernick will be Kaepernicking, kissing those biceps a lot, and I also think Colin Kaepernick will be the MVP of this game. This will be a great ride for him, and the ride ends for Colin Kaepernick as the MVP of the Super Bowl. Ray Lewis, I'm sorry. I got to go against you. I hate to go against you. I'm afraid to go against you. But, 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 I got to have faith. I got to have faith. And, you know, you're a man of faith, so you should understand that. I got to have faith. And and I have faith that the 49ers will win this game. I think the 49ers will win this game. I have faith in Colin Kaepernick. I have faith in Frank Gore. I have faith in the Smith brothers. I have faith in those that, that linebacker crew with the 49ers. I have faith in that secondary. Culliver, Terrell Brown, who we've had on the show. Culliver, who we've had on the show. Whitner, Goldson. I have faith in you guys. I have faith in you guys. Have faith in you guys. Let's not misconstrue that faith with the ultimate faith that is my faith in God. But anyway, I have some faith in that these guys will come out and perform. I have faith that Colin Kaepernick will come out and perform. He will be the MVP of the Super Bowl. 30-23, the 49ers win, and this will be a great ride for Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. Jim Harbaugh will be celebrating. And also, 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 Mama Harbaugh is going to have to console John. Daddy Harbaugh, celebrate with Jim. And the rest is history. Well, it should be a great, all in all, it should be a great Super Bowl. Alicia Keys gets it started with the national anthem. Beyonce lays it down during halftime, which should be great. And I'm looking forward to all of it. And the commercials as well. The glitz, the glamour, the pageantry, which is Super Bowl. 47 from New Orleans. It should be great. I want to thank Rebecca Briscoe for stopping by. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at BCKYBR. Go to our website, RebeccaBriscoe.net. You can listen to this show and other shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGameBlogTalk. Has done some great things with our website. It's new and improved. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you check it out. 
blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Follow us on Twitter also at GoForItGan. For everybody here at GoFor It, enjoy the Super Bowl, enjoy your weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye!